0: and welcome everybody to another smart money circle interview with me today is a very special guest tom cruise who is ceo of section eight formula.com and tom has a specialty in investing in real estate providing cash flow and specifically with section eight uh, real estate so tom the floor is yours welcome i always Thank like you to begin by asking can you tell us a little about your background and how you got started in the business please
1: Sure. I'm originally from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I've lived here for the last 26 years. I went to the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, and I studied finance and computer science, Uh, graduated and got into wholesaling real estate, and then eventually started to buy real estate and some of that cash flow that I was generating from that. Um, Always been into entrepreneurship ever since high school, and real estate was just kind of the vehicle that I chose to to kind of build
0: wealth with. Very nice. So, can you specific for people that aren't familiar how did you get involved with Section 8? What is it? How do you make money from it? So, how's it different from other real estate? So, on and so forth, please. Yeah, so Section 8 is simply
1: a program provided by
0: the federal government
1: to help low income people at or below the poverty line get into safe, affordable housing. They will actually pay up to 100% of the rent directly to the landlord, and that's direct deposited directly into your account. I got into it completely by accident. I think I had like 10 or 15 units when I got into Section 8. I bought a property. It was $55,000 property. Uh, it was rented for $13.50 per month, which was obviously a home run. And the day after I bought it, the owner was like, oh, we need to switch you over to direct deposit with Section 8. He never told me it was Section 8 when I was buying it. So um, I kind of got thrown into the deep end, figured it out, figured out how to do inspections, figured out how to manage and screen tenants You know, in the future with additional Section 8. But once I started seeing you know, those direct deposits coming in at the beginning of every month, It that was the light bulb moment. I no longer had to chase tenants. I no longer had to deal with any of the rents. Uh, It was just automatically deposited. And the only thing I had to worry about was passing the annual inspection, which is
0: pretty straightforward. Love it. And what kind of returns have you seen or do you see in in Section 8 versus other housing?
1: Yeah, so Section 8 pays above market rent. Um, Fair market rent, for example, because they don't care about the price of the property. So for example, if you went out and bought a $60,000 property in Wilmington, North Carolina, you're not going to get a tenant that's going to pay 1400 dollars a month for it it's just not going to be in the best location it's not going to have the best finishes there's no granite there's no let's be honest no stainless steel appliances right. there's no tile floors it's going to be you know bare bones basic as long as it's clean and you know safe section eight will approve it and they're paying based on the bedroom count so two three four bedrooms are ideal and they're they're paying based on that so you can get the arbitrage is the is the is the key there You buy a $60,000 property that's move-in ready, which is all over the place in Akron, Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. And then you rent it for $1,200 per month. You have a $350 mortgage, a couple hundred dollars in maintenance, management, vacancies and taxes, and you're cash flowing minimum $500 per month per unit on a unit that you only put 12 grand down on in order to to get into
0: it. Yeah, that's great. So from a, I guess, investment standpoint, you said you have a, a total of 500 units now?
1: Yeah, five hundred four units in four states. I, I invest in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Ohio.
0: Any specific reason why you focus on those and not other areas of the country?
1: Uh, proximity. It was close to me. Uh, I'm I'm in Myrtle Beach, so that's uh, an hour for me. Most of my holdings are in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, Ohio is really the furthest that I've gone, just because the market is so good there. I mean, there's multiple cities there where you can go look on Realtor.com or Zillow, and I mean. 60, 70, eighty thousand dollar units that are moving ready that you can section eight the day of closing, and it just makes sense.
0: And how does it work? The section eight do you have to apply for, to the section eight for the government or the units when you buy them they're ready under section eight or how does that work?
1: Uh, it could be either one. Uh, nine times out of ten the units are vacant. That's why I prefer it because I can screen the tenants myself, and that's where most landlords will fail is they assume because the rent is guaranteed the tenant quality is guaranteed and it's not. You could very well have somebody that just got out of jail for you know manufacturing and selling drugs. And now they're gonna be living in your house, probably doing the same thing. So um, it's really important to do the same type of screening as you would do with any other private tenant. The only difference is their payment method. Private tenants can be paying you with a check, section eight tenants paying you with a direct deposit from Uncle Sam. Um, and yeah, you exactly, you, you go to the local housing authority, you sign up for section eight landlord, they will um, accept you into the program. And then from that point, when you have an address that's available for inspection, you call it in, just like a building inspection. They come out, look at it, make sure it's all good, and the tenants able to move in.
0: Nice, and then next question is, how do you handle risk? And what um, mis- sorry, yeah. and what mistakes do you see with respect to risk management other people make? Kind of what I just described.
1: I mean, the, the tenant selection is the biggest thing. The housing is, is straightforward. I mean, there's $70,000 houses, there are a thousand square feet. The probability of you buying something that requires tens of thousands of dollars in repairs is so low um and obviously you can get an inspection before you close on it so the property risk is is low the the highest risk is people just not doing aggressive screening we check background we check credit we check eviction history we check employment references we check landlord references and we even have our land our our property manager go to the tenant's existing property and see how they're living there um so we're very thorough about it so it allows us to have good long long long-term tenants that aren't constantly turning over um also location i mean Just because you can find cheap places in like these crime infested areas, section eight tenants are still, you know, people They don't want to live in places where there's going to be a stray bullet coming through that wall. So you have to buy places that are also decent, the crappier the area, the higher the turnover, tenants aren't going to stay and you're just going to draw just, you know, the worst of the worst tenants. So I would say those are kind of the big things as far as risk.
0: Okay. Makes sense. And then what mistake, I mean, I guess from the mistake standpoint, people just don't do their due diligence with respect to um, you know, looking at the tenant's background.
1: Yeah. So what happens is this, somebody will buy a property, their first section at unit, and now they have this $400 mortgage where they may have not had a mortgage at all, or they're still renting and they're not really used to it. And then the first person that comes by and they're like, Hey man, I have $2,000 security deposit. I have, you know, first and last month's rent, you know, here's a cash, you know, all this like money. Uh, let me move in. I have, you know, all this sob story, my whatever, just got out of jail. I got to do this. Like I'm about to be homeless. Like, can I move in? And then you're like, oh my God, like two, three, four thousand $4,000 cash. Like, you know, this is great. Then they move in, you didn't check them out at all. Or you might've just done, you know, some basic uh, reference checks, but you really didn't check anything on their background or eviction or who these people are. And that's where it happens is people get anxious over placing their first tenant. And a lot of times they'll just place whoever comes by first. And those are always the worst tenants. Got it.
0: So Tom, talk to me a little about your, your following. I know you have over a million followers online. How did you grow that? What services do you provide? You know, all that fun stuff, please.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I uh, have a pretty big following on TikTok. I have about almost 900,000 on TikTok, and I think another 50,000 on uh, Instagram and then some on Twitter and Facebook. But for the most part, I just talk about real estate, getting into real estate. I'm also really into cars. So I have some, you know, car content in there as well. And then I also have, um, Sorry, just call through my message. And then I also have content about uh, entrepreneurship. So that's mostly what my, my social media is about. And that's a T Cruise NC. Um, it's on, on TikTok and Instagram.
0: Got it. Okay, great. So, um, and you have a Discord too, correct?
1: I do have a Discord. Um, that's actually part of my Section 8 course, which you can okay. find at section8formula.com. It's a $5,000 co- course and coaching program that walks you through buying your first property and making sure you underwrite it correctly, make sure you get the right financing, make sure that you select the right tenants. That's all included in that course.
0: Got it. Okay, great. Um, what about leadership? You have a team that works with you? Or, and how do you handle leadership from a structural standpoint?
1: Yeah, so locally, I have four full-time property managers that deal with my properties here. And then I have one property management company in Tennessee, because I don't have that many units there. So it doesn't really make sense to have a full time person. And then in Ohio and South Carolina, the same thing. So I just check in with them once a week, I empower them to be able to make decisions normally under a 1000 bucks, they can make decisions on their own, Mm -hmm. Uh, anything over that roofs or major repairs and expenses, I I go through with it, you know, once a week with them. But for the most part, it's, it's as passive as it can get. I mean, the Difficult part is finding the people, setting up the systems and making sure it runs smoothly. But once you get that done, I mean, real estate can really be passive, especially if you're not constantly dealing with tenants leaving, constantly not dealing with turnovers and constantly not dealing with,
0: um, you know, bad properties. So what happens in that situation if the tenant wants to leave? If you did your due diligence, you find the tenant that comes in, you think they're good, they're good. They stay with you for right. a while. And then eventually they're going to want to move. What do you do there? Just find another one?
1: Yeah, we'll just re, re, um, reoccupy it. I mean, if they want to leave, then what we'll do is we'll terminate their lease. Um, if they're already if they're already month to month, then it's normally a lot easier because then we can just release them and give them their deposit back if the unit's in good shape. If not, we'll just withhold it and, and repair the unit. Right. The demand for Section 8 in most cities in the country is two or three years. I mean, you're, you're waiting, if you're a Section 8 tenant, years to get um, a voucher to be able to go and get free housing. It's not like anybody that wants, they can get it. Gotcha. So the demand is insane. I mean, if we post a property right now today, by Friday, I would say we would by tomorrow, we probably have 10 to 15 applications. Oh, that's so just wrong. yeah. Yeah, at least locally here. And I mean, we're seeing that in all the other municipalities that we're working in as well. But um, I mean, in some places even crazier. I mean, if you're doing this in LA, or if you're doing this in you know Boston or Miami, you're gonna get hundreds of applications because it's just so much demand.
0: Got it. And then what about other cities? I know that you said mostly you're in smaller cities. Have you ever Great. looked to expand into larger cities?
1: No, because the bigger the city, the more the headache. Um, like in New York, you're going to have, or you know, Los Angeles, or Miami, or you know, Charlotte. Yeah. The prices are all super inflated. They're major metropolitan areas. Everybody wants to be there. You're not buying houses for seventy grand move ready. You know, you're not even buying a trailer for that in most of these most of these other towns. So it it never really makes sense. Yes, the rent is higher, but if you have to spend fifty to one hundred thousand on a down payment for a Section Eight house it doesn't make sense. It's never gonna cash flow. The risk is so much higher. I, I wouldn't wanna have the risk of a Section A tenant or any tenant in a 200 dollars to $300,000 house in Los Angeles, um, you know, just because it's making two or $3,000 a month. So for me, it never made sense. It's so much more cash flowable in these smaller towns or, or mid-sized towns that have a lot of people that wanna
0: move in. I like the arbitrage concept. I have a book, uh, it's called Psychological Analysis and it's, it's about trading and investing, but also from a, how to make smart decisions. And in it, I talk about intellectual arbitrage and time arbitrage because most traders are in there buying, selling, buying, selling. They don't understand profits are a function of time. Uh, That's a stock market or trading currencies or commodities or crypto, whatever. But um, the other side is intellectual arbitrage. And it sounds exactly like what you're doing, where your job is not just to outsmart uh, the market, but outsmart your former self and your competition. So I I love that arbitrage concept. So speak of that a little bit. What about... uh, from a, the smaller cities, what's the smallest city you would go look at? What's your sweet spot? You know, where is the arbitrage lie in your in your experience?
1: Right now, the smallest city is probably Dayton, Ohio. I have, um, I believe, twelve units there right now. Um, the reason I like that is again the condition of the properties and the locations are really strong. Because you can go into a into a market and find cheap properties, but they're all, you know, teardowns, or they're all you're, you're flipping, or they're really good just for wholesaling and you can flip, you know, the contract to a to a flipper or a landlord. I prefer the smaller, mid cities, 50, 10,0, 150,000 population is is kind of the, the range that I see a lot of. In Wilmington, we have 100,000 here. I think Dayton is in that similar range. Um, and then I'm also in Akron, that's a pretty small town. All those places have fair market rents between eleven $1,000 and $1,300 a month, and you can comfortably buy units for under $100,000 that are moving ready. That's the big criteria. That's really the only arbitrage because with Section 8, they have to pay more. They have to pay more than market rent because think about it. If you're a landlord and you can get $1,000 a month for a property with no inspections, no overhead, no documentation, no nothing, or you can go and have to do Section 8 for 1000 bucks a month, you're going to probably choose the non-Section 8 option. Right. So they incentivize landlords like crazy. They have incentive bonuses. They, you know, will um, um, give incentives, you know, on move-ins. So sometimes they'll even pay part of the secured deposit. So a lot of the times they want you to accept vouchers because if not, then these tenants don't
0: have anywhere to move in. So we're finding much higher rents. So, we you know, the three most important words in real estate are location, location, location. And you mentioned Correct. like so um, with respect to the inside of these cities, so you look for these smaller sub- cities, not right. too small, but it's a nice size city. Right. Uh, what do you look for from a location standpoint where you just say, yes, this is it, or no, I'm not doing it?
1: I like older neighborhoods, older starter neighborhoods, you know, where you have like these brick ranch houses or you have, you know, just like newer 1980s and, new- and newer, I would say, um, like vinyl-sided houses. I look for good roofs. I look for good bones, good roof, good curb appeal, good siding. Um, HVAC is relatively newer. All the major components that I don't want to have to spend five, ten thousand dollars replacing or repairing in the next two or three years, mm-hmm. I look for that. Um, I check crime maps, make sure there's no major violent crimes happening every day, no drug-related crimes every day. Um, a lot of times, I just Google local crime maps there and try to get a, a sense of it. I'll Google the street name. A lot of times, if you Google the street name, you'll see you know all the news articles about homicides and you know terrible things happening there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, avoid that. So I avoid war zones. I really don't like war zones, uh, places where tenants are going to be unhappy, uncomfortable, feel not safe. And two months in, they're going to be like, hey, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know it was like this here. It's like, you know, Fourth of July every night. I need to get out of here. So
0: and that just costs you money. Got it. OK, great. And then uh, in your course, can you walk us through that a little bit, what people can expect and what they can get and, and some of the yeah. value that you provide there?
1: Yeah, so at section8formula.com, I have a course that's seven video modules that walks you through the entire process from finding the best markets, like I just described, finding the best properties, getting financed. I have three hard money and private lenders in the course that are partners that don't require tax returns or income verification. It's a no doc loan. Uh, they also do, um, I also walk you through getting onboarded with section 8, how to screen tenants correctly how to onboard tenants correctly onto into your property. And then also scaling, you know, how to get from one unit to hundred units to 300 units and however many you want. I talk a lot about other people's money, how to set up those LLCs, how to set up those operating agreements with your partners or equity partners, or if you want to do syndication, I talk a little bit about that as well. So that's all included in that. I have a monthly zoom call. So you'll be able to speak with me and my team uh, on a monthly level. And then I also have a discord as part of the course where you can ask us questions every day. Or if you want want to buy a property and you want us to look at it, we'll look at it for you as well.
0: I love that. So let me ask you this question, scaling. So in my business with money management, it's the same concept where people have obstacles scaling.
1: How do you handle
0: scaling and how do you go from one unit to 500 units? And and where do you see people kind of hit a wall, plateau, and then just either break through that wall or, or not break through it?
1: Uh, it breaks at 10 units because that's how much Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will lend to you personally before you're, you're capped out. And then people either don't want to really explore portfolio loans, they don't want to uh, take the risk of commercial loans because they see five and ten year balloons and they get scared of that. Um, and then also the biggest barrier is other people's money. Yeah. You're not going to get to 500 units by yourself unless you're independently wealthy already and you have five million sitting in the bank that you can go and deploy. So I found that I hit my wall at around 30 units. Um, at that point, I was, you know, running out of cash, and also just drive to constantly be wholesaling and reinvesting, and you know, um, self-funding my own deals. Because at some point, it, it gets burnt out. I mean, I, I was buying a unit a month pretty consistently, and I needed 16, 18 grand to do that. And in order to do that, I need to, you know, continue generating all this other income. So at some point, it becomes a lot more difficult, and that's when I should have, you know, started looking at other people's money sooner. And when I say that, I'm talking about networking. I use my LinkedIn a lot. I go to Cars and Coffee. I'm already around some pretty high net worth individuals in that. And if you already have 10, 15, even five units, and you've been doing Section 8 on it, and you have a track record, you have a balance sheet, you have a profit loss statements, and you can say, hey, look, the last six months, I've you know gotten $6,000 a month guaranteed rent. You bring that to any investor that has cash ready, and they want to deploy it and don't want to be involved, yeah. it's a pretty easy sell. I mean, they're going to be on the loan. They're going to be on the, on the title. There's very little risk to them on the real estate side. So I find that works pretty well.
0: And what kind of returns do these investors get?
1: Yeah, so cash on cash, we're looking at 50 to 60%. Uh, Right now on per unit, that's what we're seeing. I mean, we're buying $60,000 units, putting 12 grand down and getting $1,300 a month uh, pretty consistently. Um, As far as the actual total return, it varies. I mean, we normally double their down payment within two or three years. And that's kind of what we tell them. Hey, look, if you put a million bucks in, we're gonna give you 2 million bucks back in the next 36 months. And the way that we do that is, through rent roll. I mean, we force appreciation through the rent roll where if we buy 30 or 40, 50 units that are vacant or that are under rented, we'll either raise the rents or get rid of the trouble problem tenants and then reoccupy with section eight. So now we have guaranteed rental income, we're getting above average rents and then we can do a cash out refinance and buy at our investors at the end of that portfolio or at the end of the term, they get their money back and they get the return back and I retain the properties.
0: Nice. And then do you get cash flow along the way as the investor? Like, yeah, that's no, no, no.
1: You know, they get monthly cash flow. I give them 60% of the cash flow every month, and then I'll retain 40% as part of the management. And I mean, that's all part of management fee. And I'm also an equity partner. So um, we're 50 50 on equity, 60 40 on cash
0: flow split. Love it. Well, Tom, that's fantastic. Thank you so yeah. much. Is there any questions that I didn't ask that, that you want or anything that you want to share before we wrap up?
1: um no that's pretty much it if you guys are interested in learning more section eight the number eight formula.com or you can dm me i'm, I'm very active on tiktok uh that's t as in tom cruise c-r-u-z-n-c like north carolina t cruise nc i appreciate it. you having me on the show
0: love it thanks tom thanks for coming on thank you
1: no thank problem you.